0: What's poppin'? We're back, poison for profit, baby. <laughs> I thought that was one of the voices. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how okay. good I am. Yeah,
0: man, you should uh, you should be on the radio. You should be on Bob and Tom.
1: <laughs> I might be actually. It's my <laughs> side job. I suppose this is
0: the final piece of the Ghost Rider's puzzle the third installment and i'm kind of going to just play it on the fly it's been a while since i read the report (laughs) so
1: that sounds good to me
0: so yeah uh i got you know some notes but i'll probably you know go off on my uh patented tangents side quests on this one i hope actually uh i don't know nick how have you enjoyed this series so far
1: I've been enjoying it. I've been learning a lot. Uh, didn't realize how uh, deep this really goes. It is what I've been really realizing is it's not just one facet. It's literally everything is corrupted at this point.
0: Yeah. And uh, I guess just to review the last episode, we went into detail on how um, Monsanto and and Really, uh, pesticide manufacturing PR groups uh, operate within academia with universities and with individuals to amplify their message um, and and really suppress other science that you know pesticides might not be as safe as uh, we're led to believe, and then the um, kind of intertwining with. The media and those groups, uh, other organizations like the Gates Foundation, Ivy League institutions like Cornell, uh, just kind of the, how they all operate to achieve the goal of I don't know how would you describe it, just boosting agrichem, the perception of agrichem.
1: Yeah, I would say it's just another version of marketing for them. Uh, they they try and get in the good graces of you know everyone using their products and make it seem as if which sounds it sounds crazy that we kind of thought this in the past but the fact that uh, we thought that it is okay to be spraying this many pesticides and this many herbicides on our food that we're eating
0: right yeah and, and really you know exposing people to it um residentially uh, in you know it's like schools they spray it a lot. Um, yeah, I mean just, just basically everything we do where we want to control vegetation it has come down to these chemicals that have been presented as the safest chemicals in the world, right? Um, and you showed me the, 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 video of Neil deGrasse Tyson going on some podcasts saying like, he's kind of, he's kind of shitting on the, uh, who was it? Ben and Jerry's ice cream kind of getting some backlash for, for testing, uh, their ice cream testing positive for glyphosate or traces yeah. of glyphosate.
1: Yeah, it was saying how you'd have to eat, like, millions of tubs of the Ben & Jerry's to actually get a significant amount of uh, glyphosate poisoning.
0: To reach, like, the LD50, right? The lethal dose for 50% of the population. Which is, like, acute death, right? Like, it doesn't... that has nothing (laughs) to do with developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma over time. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or any of the other you know, symptoms and side effects you can get before you just die.
0: Right. Like, you know, I think you talked about gluten intolerance before, um, Mm -hmm. destroying your gut health basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, today I'm going to be talking about a couple other tactics, cultivating third party allies and tracking and attacking scientists, journalists, and influencers. Uh, So third party allies for Monsanto, that's just another term for uh, PR groups, PR fronts. That's their third party allies. And I just wanted to uh, give you a little history on the PR industry. Uh, The first kind of thought of PR campaign Came from Edward Bernays in 1913, who was uh, the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Everybody knows Sigmund Freud, right? Oh, yeah. So, really working on uh, people's psychology with this one, right? Um, so, in 1913, he hired a team of doctors to promote the benefits of eating bacon for breakfast. <laughs> Does that sound um, like it's like a reasonable uh, health effects? Uh,
1: Totally. You know, you'll get higher cholesterol, (laughs) you'll get higher fat content in the food you're eating. You know, these are all great things. Yeah. Uh,
0: He didn't tell anybody at the time or he didn't tell the the targets, I guess, of the PR that the uh, campaign was paid for by the pork industry obviously right this is exactly what's happening um, with glyphosate right. uh and uh, i don't know if it was him or somebody else but th- there's a quote in here that says the best public relations work left no fingerprints i think somebody else said that but i mean it's really as true then as it is today i mean a lot of these groups don't really or actively try to uh hide or obscure their connections with these industries
1: well yeah of course because they don't want to uh <laughs> they all know how it looks to uh, have it be monsanto-backed research everyone knows that there's a bias there but if they can get a Mon- third party yeah.
0: monsanto themselves stated that that, they yeah. that that it would mean more <laughs> studies mean more when their name's not attached to it
1: yeah <laughs> I think um, a lot of things mean more without uh, <laughs> without Monsanto attached to it. The way they do this
0: is they really try to make organizations look like grassroots organized organizations, meaning uh, you know community led, really people on the ground doing work to to change people's minds. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of an organization that's grassroots uh, is greenpeace considered a grassroots
1: i would think so a lot of those like environmental lobbying they call grassroots yeah it's uh, it's,
0: it's it's like people who, who first of all like volunteer their time to a cause uh, yep. that they believe in uh, so an example we have here is freedom to farm which is presented as an effort led by farmers who really, who really talk about the idea of restricting the use of glyphosate as a threat to farming and really the, the, the farming lifestyle itself. Uh, mm-hmm. If we were to stop using glyphosate, that would basically destroy the farming industry and farmers themselves is what they're really getting at. When in reality... Uh, The organization was fully staffed by PR firms that worked for Monsanto. They had 40 full-time equivalent staff from four different PR firms in seven countries. And they also had 56 trained recruiters working all on uh, freedom to farm.
1: So you might have, that this might as well have been a Monsanto branch at that point. Yeah,
0: I mean it's definitely their PR firms, and the, I mean right. that's basically like, an extension of Monsanto at that point. <laughs> Monsanto marketing uh, wing. Third-party allies of Monsanto spent over 1.4 billion dollars in their operations from 2015 to 2019. Uh, that's a shit ton of money, right? In four years, uh, spending $1.4 billion. Billion dollars. dollars. And wow. again, these are just these are for PR.
1: Yeah, it's not even really... PR and marketing are different things completely, aren't they? Isn't it, PR is more your... This is how the public thinks of the company, where marketing is like your adverts and all of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like PR, we kind of... like the The history of PR is to... Basically, combat negative perceptions in the public and in the media. Right, like, like there's a reason they didn't tell people that the pork industry was behind a campaign (laughs) saying that bacon is healthy.
1: Um, (laughs) It's the same idea. One breakfast meal. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, So so it's just.
1: 1.4 sorry 1.4 billion dollars just to make themselves look okay
0: (laughs) to make themselves look more favorable yeah to to basically repair their image yes
1: absolutely insane uh in
0: 2015 monsanto developed a preparedness and engagement plan as these these sentiments of uh, anti-glyphosate grew throughout the world and a Monsanto memo named four tiers of industry partners that they would use to disseminate their company's messaging. Uh, the first tier of that is trade groups, uh, groups like CropLife America and CropLife International, who are really you know, just lobbying firms essentially um, for regulators, legislators, they block policy, uh, and they, I'm sure they are involved in uh, industry friendly policy as well. Second tier is science groups, and I say that with air quotes science groups that claim to be independent from corporate interests. That includes the Genetic Literacy Project, American Council on Science and Health, uh, other groups like that that write articles supporting uh, industry-friendly science. And a lot of times they, um, how do I say this, they regurgitate articles from other major media outlets like uh, Reuters is one that that I just saw on Twitter coming out of Genetic Literacy Project. And they will regurgitate it, but they will essentially paraphrase it to include the uh, the message that they want to convey. So they, you know, exclude certain information, certain points being made, and then they'll insert their own commentary on it about how um, the, the, maybe like the EPA says glyphosate's perfectly safe, and it always has been. A little bit of editorial liberties being taken, I would say. Third tier on this list is the Consumer Trust Group's that are funded by companies to convince consumers to accept their products. Uh, an example of this is Sense About Science, who who really uh, focuses on reaching the consumer level, uh, people who are buying groceries, uh, products that are made from you know biotech, agrichem uh, processes to promote promote their safety, their their, their, their the pres, the presentation of, of assumed safety. And the number four, the lowest tier, I might add, our groups representing industry Sorry <laughs> <laughs> are groups representing industrial corn and soy growers. The American Soybean Association and the National Corn Growers Association. And I just found it kind of interesting like that's where really all of this starts right if if uh soybean and, and corn producers weren't using these products this none of this would really be an issue but they, they end up on the bottom tier of this list which I, I just found funny it's
1: like yeah it's like that's your bread and butter that's that's you know, like they, what's holding the entire thing yeah. up right yeah the whole thing sinks without them
0: which I mean is probably the easiest, right? It's much easier for farmers to grow these things. Um, it's not cheaper. I will say it's not cheaper. It's, that's been kind of shown that uh, organic and, and regenerative processes are cheaper and involve fewer inputs than mm-hmm. chemical agriculture. But it is it does really simplify the process, I think. Mm-hmm. At least... In terms of year after year, what you need to do because obviously shit's so bad now that you'd have to rebuild an entire ecosystem for regenerative farming to work out. Not that it wouldn't right. be worth it because I I don't want to I don't want to throw that kind of idea out there.
1: Yeah, I think with a lot of I mean we we could get into it in a whole episode on regenerative versus chemical agriculture. Uh, but the biggest thing I mean, there's going to be benefits and drawbacks to each one of them Uh, and what basically you know a lot of these herbicides and stuff like that all it's letting you do is shortcut and like bandage along this field along until all of a sudden you're having terrible yields and you're like what's going on what's happening what's wrong because you've completely destroyed the soil completely destroyed any sense of an ecosystem that was on that land
0: absolutely yeah yeah, and I think that's a good point that that it is really a shortcut. I guess is is the mm. the way to really frame it because, I mean, that's what it is. What else could it possibly be? There's you're spraying however many chemicals on this just to control you know these very highly selective pests. So those are the four tiers. Uh, going on to academic front groups in the media, we talked a little bit. I think. Uh, last time about academic front groups for sure academics review and Bruce Chassie um, so Bruce Chassie from the who I think he's retired now but he worked for the University of Illinois and and he and Kevin Fulton from the University of Florida teamed up to put together a program to um, try to discredit scientists and journalists that brought the concern for glyphosate and other pesticides um, to the forefront of agriculture uh, through the Academics Review organization. And a lot of these articles that come out from these uh, PR groups come from articles in Academics Review that criticize organic food industry. Uh, they're taking ideas directly from the people we talked about in the last Ghost Riders episode. So people funding the academic front group's Council for Biotechnology Information, just was, like, totally obvious uh, <laughs> biotech <laughs> uh, trade group. Can, right?
1: Couldn't really uh, come up with any more right, of it's a, like, an obvious yeah,
0: need. Pretty lazy in terms of... Uh, Hiding what your motives are, I guess, which is mm-hmm. what a lot of these groups try to do, at least. But they gave six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to Academics Review, uh, which was eighty percent of their spending. And um, I just want to make a note here because, um, a lot of people paint. I mean, I'll, and I, I can talk about it later. But on Twitter, a lot of people paint. Organizations like the U.S. Right to Know, as uh, organic industry front groups, but and they'll they'll talk about like all these wealthy uh, organic industry <laughs> groups are trying to undermine uh, like food security efforts and just bullshit like that. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to make a note that U.S. Right to Know did receive three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars from the organic. Consumers Association during the same time that the council for biotechnology information Gave academics review six hundred and fifty thousand dollars But that's less than half Of what they received right of what academics review received So that's not like don't get it twisted. These are not equivalents uh, in terms of you know, their their funding and their ability to to spread their message um the the anti organic groups have a, have a much a larger budget to work with in their effort to win this mes- messaging battle
1: Orga- i feel like that they're using the term organic because i think a lot of people think of organic as a like instantly expensive Word, you know, you think, oh, it's organic. They think, oh, that's really expensive. And I mean, maybe some people's mind goes to, oh, you know, the carrots clearly at the store, more expensive if you buy organic carrots. And then they think about uh, farming organic. They have heard it is more expensive to do it organically, uh, which not really true. But yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's a good way to make Like you were saying with U.S. Right to Know, it's almost like discredit them, I think, because I feel like organic has become almost this dirty word, which it really isn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll talk about it now. I got into a back and forth with uh, the the Twitter account for (laughs) Science 2.0, which is a group that's mentioned in this paper. Basically... About what we're talking about right now, the organic and the wealthy "quote unquote" organic industry versus um, big ag, essentially, and um, they they were just lied basically, and that said their representation of big organic, big organic. It feels so weird to say big organic. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But um, was Whole Foods was there? representation uh, which is like you can't really deny it all they really sell is organic right Um, and they were saying like Monsanto to Whole Foods and saying first of all they said Monsanto doesn't exist anymore which isn't again like that's not totally true yeah Yeah. Uh, but even when Monsanto did exist Whole Foods was larger than Monsanto in their revenue Um, and then I told them Basically, how about we compare what's going on now, and compare Bayer and Syngenta to Whole Foods, <laughs> and they went off on some bullshit about how uh, Bayer's a conglomerate, so you can't really compare it, and, and Syngenta is still smaller than Whole Foods. This is the most easily verifiable like information, <laughs> right? You know, I just, like I just went straight to Google, and it, it, it was. I looked up the revenues, the 2021 revenues for all for all three companies. But I did Bayer Crop Sciences, right? Because they said it's yeah. a conglomerate, you can't really compare it. Well, if you do crop sciences, you can because that's, that's exactly the... what we're talking about, right? Um, and then you know Syngenta, um, Whole Foods revenue was 16 billion in 2021. Bayer Crop Sciences was 21 billion, and Syngenta was 28 billion. So they were significantly higher than Whole right. Foods, and Whole Foods is, I'm sure, the biggest you know organic company you can you can look up revenue for, right? Uh, so I mean, it's just it's it's the tactics they take to kind of prove their point. They're just straw men, arguments. So easy to discredit. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you can't really believe anything they say. Anyways, back to Academics Review. Uh, when Bruce Chassis discussed Academics Review with Jay Byrne, who is a Monsanto former director of corporate communications, uh, Mr. Byrne, <laughs> Mr. Byrne, like Mr. Burns, <laughs> uh, Mr. Burns compared it to the Center for Consumer Freedom, uh, which Mind you was a organization that aimed to protect products like tobacco. Whenever there's something about consumer freedom, it basically means let people buy shit that's terrible for them. <laughs> right? That's That's what freedom basically means at this point in the United States. It's like yeah. let me let me be free to to do whatever I want to do at the expense of of everyone like, else. Yeah
1: yeah i i think we could get down a really bad rabbit hole here but i wholeheartedly agree uh it's everyone wants the the right in quotation marks to do whatever they want like zach said but you know hey i want the right to spray my my whole house with glyphosate no matter if there's a school right next door and it's gonna you know completely affect that those children
0: yeah they'll protect Um, that
1: right for you to do that, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, academics review gave the IARC uh, re- report on glyphosate uh, a grade of. Can you guess?
2: Ooh.
0: A plus. Very close, an F, an F grade. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: and you know this is like, the, the, and the, that just is right in line with everything Monsanto. Wants from their, their allies, third party allies.
1: Their henchmen. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: So, a little bit on the specifics of some of these groups. And some of them aren't even uh, like directly related to biotech, really, in any way. Like the Foreign Press Association, we'll talk about. But uh, first, we'll talk about the American Council on, Sa- on Science and Health. Uh, In 2013, they had plans to pitch their services to corporations uh, for specific product defense campaigns. They asked food companies to fund anti-GMO labeling messaging campaigns, and they even uh, courted e-cigarette companies for their business. 2012, funders include, guess who, Bayer Crop Science, Syngenta, Coca-Cola, Chevron, and uh, t- uh, tobacco companies.
1: <laughs> Not surprised. Not surprised.
0: Uh, I mean, those are like also, some of the big, the biggest polluters and, and threats to human health that exist yeah, in the
1: world. Yeah. I was going to say, there's <laughs> another very terrible, terrible company, the tobacco company. You know, if the tobacco is involved, you know, it's something terrible is going on.
0: Hey, man, they're yeah, like, just... They're just fighting for consumer freedom to, uh, All right. To, to smoke up. Yeah.
1: And it's a, the same playbook as what we're talking about here as well. You know, exactly. tobacco cigarettes used to be good for you. Apparently
0: for your stress. <laughs> yeah. Used to, uh, yep. be real good stress relievers.
1: I think they help your lungs to keep them sharp. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Just keep some, keep your lungs, uh, working over time. Uh, <laughs> Internal Monsanto documents that came out during the uh, the lawsuits, glyphosate lawsuits, showed the ACSH admitting that work was already being done to discredit uh, the IARC report uh, on cancer rulings uh, and other reports over things like phthalates and diesel exhaust, which I mean like if you're discrediting... <laughs> Who, discred- who discredits uh, cancer reports on things like diesel exhaust? Right, uh,
1: like known known carcinogen. <laughs> <Right. It's> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, you to Could it
1: be more re- carcinogenic?
0: Breathe in that diesel fumes. It's totally fine for you. Uh, uh, yeah. And before we talk about the Genetic Literacy Project, I just want to talk about this link they have with the American Council on Science and Health. The ACSH actually published a book by the founder of the Genetic Literacy Project in 2021. The ACSH asked Syngenta to contribute $100,000 for a quote-unquote consumer-friendly booklet on atrazine, which is the second most commonly used pesticide in the United States. Uh, So clearly like this this is propaganda paid for by pesticide manufacturers. But the author, John Entine, claimed that he didn't know that the ACSH was funded by Syngenta and the organization he founded, the Genetic Leadership Project, now accepts large donations from that industry. So he went from writing this book. Uh, and claiming that he wasn't, he didn't know that the publisher was funded by, agrichem industry to now running an organization that is funded by the agrichem industry.
1: Of course, of I, didn't c- I, I
0: didn't know. <laughs> it reminds me of the "It's Always Sunny." Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm playing both sides, so I always come out <laughs> on top. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to the bottom of the pyramid, the National Corn Growers Association and the American Soybean Association. And after the IARC report on glyphosate came out, both of these associations issued press releases defending glyphosate and uh, preempting cancer concerns about other pesticides. So trying to you know get out ahead of, of maybe certain things that might be said about other pesticides that they use going forward. Uh, they accused the IARC of creating confusion and unnecessary fear amongst the public and using narrowly focused data removed from real world situations. They also warned that IARC might also release reports on Dicamba and 2,4-D, to, uh, to to two pretty well-known uh, health risks health hazards
1: yeah those are the ones i believe that if you mix them together it makes agent orange or something like
0: that it's 2,4-d and something
1: yeah i don't think it's
0: dicamba but but 2,4-d is definitely one half of agent orange
1: i'm not looking forward to that report (laughs) yeah
0: uh well the iARC actually did announce that 2,4-d is possibly carcinogenic already side note i'm i'm effed (laughs) (laughs) yeah anybody who didn't know nick did uh did apply to 4d in his Uh, copious amounts copious amounts was it so was it like daily for over a period of time or
1: Uh, for sure so i mean this is way off topic but uh, it's not
0: i mean like this is totally yeah yeah yeah. uh
1: but basically what you gotta do is target the the noxious weed when they're either at their very first growth cycle so in the spring or in the fall when they're taking their nutrients down to their roots Uh, you don't want to do in the summer when they're you know way like a mature plant it's pointless to spray a mature plant so i'd like all spring and summer just be spraying and even uh spring summer and fall because there are certain plants that you can spray in the summer and it's effective so i literally for my job would go and i was the noxious weed specialist so i would just spray yeah. it literally every day.
0: Did we talk about on one of these episodes did we talk about deposition that i was telling you about or was that after no, we were recording?
1: that was that was post recording show. Okay. The, the post show, you know, maybe we'll start recording those in a <laughs> secretly literally. So.
0: But anyways, uh deposition of a Monsanto executive basically expose them for not putting the same uh, safety recommendations on their product labeling as they have on their safety data sheets for uh, their workers basically who handle these materials. So once it goes to the store, you're not seeing the same requirements for uh, protective equipment, things like that. Um, that you would see if you were working in their factory
1: yeah i watched that video and it's just insane (laughs)
0: like he couldn't answer anything he
1: no he had no answers and i felt like he was trying to say nothing with saying a lot of words so he would like skate by as like this is so bad he
0: didn't even know like the process that goes into labeling
1: or he's lying i don't know you know like I think he's probably feeling the hot water pretty badly. I I guess we'll get into this quick. If most pesticides herbicides on the the label that is on the box that you know, you go get to the at the store, it just says the required PPE is long sleeves and pants. No mention of gloves, goggles, even shoes, which should be pretty obvious, but Mhm. You know, people don't listen. You know, or they're going to be like, "Oh, that's all the requirements. This must not be that bad of stuff."
0: Exactly. Uh, I think that's the idea, right? Is that they're right. that they're trying to uh, promote, and um, all the all the PPE that Mick just described are all on the STS for people handling this material in the factories. But he even went on to say, like, the idea is that they purposely. Included people in shorts spraying uh, Roundup, right? So that like people would think it must be so safe, like you can let it get on your skin, on your legs, whatever. Um, even though that's not what's even in the label on the label. It right. says long pants on the label. They don't even do that on the commercials. So
1: yeah, it's just scary, really. <laughs> the amount of, uh, I don't even know, misinformation that they're able to put to these labels. Uh, because like when I went, there's a whole licensing process to become a pesticide applicator where I did it, which was Colorado. Uh, and what you learn very quickly in that is that the label is the law. So you're supposed to follow that label to a T if you're applicating. Uh, and if you're not even putting everything in that label, I mean, that was the first thing I did. If I went and bought a pesticide, I read that label. I knew that label. Um, and then, because well, multiple reasons, protect myself. But also, I had the license as a qualified supervisor, so I could spray with other people. So if I was spraying with other people, I needed to know that label. So then that way, I could keep them safe as well. Uh, and it just makes me sick to my stomach that some of this information has been purposely left off.
0: Yeah, I can imagine like people in positions like yours where you're supervising, it almost makes you probably feel like, uh, Liable. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do enough to protect people that you were supervising, which hmm. it absolutely is not on, you know, people in positions like yours. If the label is the law, like you're doing everything that right. you think you're supposed to be doing. Thank you for that, Nick. Thank you for,
1: uh, no telling us about that. Yeah, just uh, this might be my last podcast after those reports come out.
0: (laughs) I think you're good, man. I think uh, you detoxed, right? You detoxed it all Uh, out.
1: All I do is drink orange juice now.
0: Oh, no. Not simply orange, is it? Simply. It is
1: only simply orange. Yeah, you are fucked. Oh, oh, no.
0: Uh, Okay. (laughs) So... Foreign Press Association. When you think of the Foreign Press Association, does anything, like, mm-hmm. come to mind? I think, like, in my opinion, I'm know. like, that, you know, probably represents some pretty good journalists across the world, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I That's what I instantly had thought. And I was like, I know Zach's trying to trip me up. <laughs> this has got to be if, uh, you know.
0: Well, they might. Let me just say they might. <laughs> but probably not usually related to biotechnology. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There was a sponsorship agreement between the Foreign Press Association and Bayer that guaranteed that the awardees for the foreign press awards would not contradict Bayer's strategic communications plans and initiatives, and that Bayer would be made aware of who the honor the award honorees were in advance uh (laughs) so so um basically that just leads to you know
1: they are picking and choosing what they want (laughs) yeah at at the
0: very least uh subverting or suppressing uh journalists that do good work on things like biotechnology um and the effects of biotechnology and, and chemicals and pharmaceuticals, for that matter. I mean, it is better, Right. Uh, so, related to Foreign Press Association, The Guardian, who we use a lot of their articles regarding climate change and, and pollution on this show, ran an op-ed criticizing the U.S. right-to-know investigation as science denialism. This was a, uh, an op-ed written by three people from very prestigious um, institutions, uh, the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which has you know, 120,000 members in the organization. Um, so three people, Nina Fedoroff, Peter Raven, and Philip Sharp. They loved bragging about their uh, their position within the AAAS, I guess I'll call it, but they did not disclose their industry ties. Nina Fedoroff was the senior science advisor for a lobbying firm that represented Syngenta and pesticide industry trade groups. Peter Raven was the director emeritus of the missouri botanical garden which is funded by monsanto and philip sharp was the founder of two multi-billion dollar biotech companies and these three teamed up to write an article shitting on the u.s right to know essentially
1: you know none of those things were important you know they don't need to disclose that.
0: yeah and that's no underrated
1: yeah, Jesus. Of course it's such a <laughs> op-ed on the U.S. right to know. They all probably hate them.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Fedorov was actually the chair of the AAAS, uh, and the board then issued a statement opposing GMO labeling uh, weeks before a California referendum vote on labeling. So, the board released a statement. They didn't seek any input from their 120,000 members of the organization. And the members actually submitted a letter to Science Magazine urging the board to reconsider their statement on opposing GMO labeling. So, obviously, you know, I think with a lot of organizations and a lot of NGOs, even, um, Activist organizations, even the top level, doesn't really always align with the rank and file. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's the case here with members. You know, submitting basically the total opposite, or not the total opposite, but signaling their disagreement with the board's statement, and that just kind of shows you how the people in the leadership of these organizations use their position. Um, to benefit other positions that they're in within different companies, different organizations, lobbying firms, (laughs) the Missouri Botanical Garden. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's something that you always find out after something terrible happens. They're like, oh, this CEO was also on the board for this other company, which was, pulling the reports and you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they always have their hands in multiple pots. They're always trying to prop up their business at no matter what cost. and Or it'll be multiple of these terrible companies and they all just work together to keep each other up. It's just really, I don't
0: know. No. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works, right? That's yeah, the idea for these people. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next tactic, tracking and attacking scientists, journalists, and influencers.
1: Uh-oh, that includes us,
0: Zach. It does. We're very influential.
1: Oh, uh, I was going to say scientists. Oh, no. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. That too. <laughs> the name Rachel Carson. Does that ring a bell?
1: I does it? It does, but I don't know why.
0: She wrote the book *Silent Spring* in the '60s. I can't remember the exact year, uh, but it was it was pointing out the harms of DDT, mm, the ecological yep. and human health hazard that comes along with DDT. And all she was doing was pointing it out, right? DDT kills insects, pretty much everything, um, mosquitoes or and flies were main targets of it because of things like malaria and polio at the time. Eventually, you know, it's shown that DDT was linked to breast cancer. It was, risk, it was linked to uh, the, de- the decline of certain species, you know, top of the food chain. I think bald eagles was one of them where it had yeah. a direct correlation to the thinning of uh, eggshells. Which then obviously leads to decreased uh, health of the, the individual and the species. At that time, you know, it's basically the same playbook that's existed since the beginning of capitalism, right? Uh, somebody brings concerns to, uh, to light, and they are attacked by industry and the beneficiaries of whatever that environmental toxin is so a lot of these uh groups that attacked rachel carson for bringing up the harms of ddt they accused her of murdering african children if you can believe that yeah because
1: that's in unreal
0: because they couldn't kill mosquitoes with ddt anymore uh so she immediately becomes a uh a murderer uh but These same attacks are now being used on scientists, journalists, and influencers today who are bringing up concerns about things like Roundup. Ad hominem attacks, right? Things that don't really have anything to do with the truth of the the subject at hand. There's no relevancy to the argument being made. Um, and that is what Monsanto tried to do with the, the IARC, the entire group, really, the International Agency for Research in Cancer, after their glyphosate report came out. Um, they, they accused them of corruption. They accused them of being frauds, basically, and uh, that tactic of really attacking the character of these individual scientists and of the groups themselves really carries over since, you know, for, for decades and generations. And one of the, the groups they use to do these attacks is the Genetic Literacy Project, who is probably one of the, the favorites of the biotech and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, chemical industry groups just based on just the sheer volume of stuff they put out and how much it's shared uh, online and and promoted online. They accused the uh, IARC scientists of, like I said, corruption, distortion, fraud, conspiracy, lying, and secrecy. And in 2019, when a group of independent scientists, some of which were uh, also, in the IARC glyphosate report, uh, when in 2019 they reported compelling links between glyphosate herbicides and non Hodgkin lymphoma. John Entine, who we talked about before, the founder of GLP, and he wrote the book that was published by ACSH, uh, and another board member of GLP, Jeffrey Cabot, suggested. That those scientists were guilty of deliberate fraud, which is like that's a hefty uh, accusation to throw around, right? Yeah. Nothing, of course, you know, indicates that that yeah that that's true. Yeah. But it just shows like the the lengths they will go to and the severity of the accusations that they'll throw around to destroy reputations of people who are doing research and and making making determinations or declarations on the actual safety of these chemicals
1: yeah and i think the really damaging part about a lot of that is unfortunately a lot of these organizations that are doing good research or something like that uh, they don't have the name that a company like monsanto or bayer does Uh, so if bayer comes out and says oh this report is phony Fortunately, a lot of people are going to believe that over the report.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially just, if it's promoted the way it gets promoted on right. Google, top of Google searches.
1: They have the money to do that. They have the money to really prop up their opinion, you know, and they can say, hey, look, this paper is false. This paper is completely a lie. It was done by terrible scientists the data doesn't make sense. All the, the, whatever they want to say. Yeah. Uh, whereas the people making the paper p- probably barely got the funding to even do the research. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Or like you know, they it, it's that's a UN program. IARC is mm-hmm. is the United Nations uh, trying to make a determination on these substances. Uh, and a lot of people associated with the GLP on Twitter, at least really like to kind of paint, uh, you know, organic proponents of organic farming and regenerative farming, people against biotech in agriculture. Uh, they like to paint them as the equivalent of uh, climate change deniers, anti-science, um, you know, things on par with, with kind of the re- rejection of Things that are actually wrong with the world. The GLP, would it surprise you to know that five of the genetic literacy projects think tank funders have a history of climate change denial?
1: No, no, <laughs> it doesn't surprise it me. It didn't
0: surprise me either, even though they got all these people going online talking about how, uh, you know, great biotech is for uh, battling climate change and and. Uh, you know, trashing people who don't want GMOs, don't want Roundup sprayed everywhere, uh, trashing them as climate deniers. They are funded by groups that basically do the opposite. The uh, Coke family, everybody loves the Coke family, right? Oh, are yeah. one of those funders, think tank funders. They're this ultra free market libertarian conservative ideological groups based on um, keeping these these chemicals that companies profit from unregulated. That's the entire idea is keeping it unregulated, and you know they'll go to these these hypocritical lengths to. To make that happen as long as you know the government isn't stepping in and making it uh, harder or, or or making it illegal to use these substances um, they will say or do anything to keep that from happening
1: that's just such a bad idea <laughs> yeah like so unreal like sorry <laughs> no i mean I, I just feel like what like enough. we need some regulations like
0: yeah, we, yeah, it's like it's just totally – and it's not – I wouldn't call it anti-government, right? Because they, they, they want basically control over what the government does. So it's not like they're anarchists or anything, right? They are – they're right. libertarians. They want – this is basically – the ideology is to protect property over people's health, people's freedom to a healthy environment – it's all in the name of protecting property and um, profit makers, I guess, right? That's the that, so so I guess the of this entire thing, right the it really boils down to protection of products and property of these companies, their ability to profit off of these innovation these quote unquote innovations and these chemicals that, serve a purpose, but is that purpose worth the trade off of destroying ecological and human health?
1: Right. And I'd say almost a hundred percent of the time, no, it's not worth it.
0: Right. And they'll be uh, they'll be willing to sorry, I'll just last thought is they'll be willing to like go to these these totally like disgusting and, and hypocritical lengths to protect that. Well I just I just wanted to share um I don't know if this is cringe or not, but I'm gonna pull up our uh, our Twitter, (laughs) our Twitter, and the kind of the uh, back and forth I had with Science 2.0, and just it's just kind of an example, I guess, of what we're talking about. So there was a post about there's a movie that just came out called Into the Weeds, um, based on Lee Johnson, the the man who won the first. Trial against Monsanto for glyphosate causing his non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and they there was you know a couple people on Twitter saying uh, that that this was basically funded secretly by anti-biotech um, people, and and it's hypocritical for them to fund it secretly because uh, people accuse the biotech industry of secretly funding their own PR uh, campaigns, right? Like we're talking about. So I said, uh, what's worse, secretly funding a movie about a working class man with non-Hodgkin lymphoma or secretly funding scientific fraud to protect the most widely used pesticide in the world? And uh, (laughs) the Science 2.0 account says kind of threw together a world a word salad here. How to know there are no scientists are involved in these science is a vast corporate conspiracy movement. They toss around fraud as incorrectly as they do lymphoma. So immediately just like a personal attack. Right? This ad hominem yep. that doesn't address anything that I really said. That you said, yeah. So we kinda of get into it. I'll just skip ahead to the interesting parts. They said that I uh, <laughs> I shill for or I promote corporations, organic corporations, while claiming science is a corporate conspiracy. I invited them to point out an example of me promoting a corporation, which they of course could not do. Uh, and they said, in human psychology, criminals think everyone is a criminal. So you're running around insisting all scientists are out to poison for profit means people instead think you're the shill. So I guess, yeah, people think I'm a shill for uh, the organic industry, I guess. Uh, They said, since you say you're just a useful idiot for wealthy organic trade groups, we believe you. And I just want to make this point very clear, right? We are not anti-science. Right. We – there are certain scientists that we see – and certain types, I guess, of science or certain certain applications of science, I guess is a better way to put it, that we see as problematic when um, they're dedicated to defending companies uh, that destroy the environment and human health. Right. They told me to ask my 30 followers for help um, understanding science and economic literacy.
1: I got you there, didn't they?
0: Bro, they've got 4,600 followers and they can't get more than three engagements on any of their posts. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck about what they have to say. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of, I was like, they told me to re- use my real account <laughs> and I said, how about you use your real account? <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it, science 2.0. Is that your real name? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Anyways, yeah, that's when I pointed out to them that uh, Bayer, CropScience, and Syngenta both make more in revenue than Whole Foods, and they did not feel the need to reply to that. Nobody really saw any of that, though, because I think the most we got was 14 views on those tweets. I would just have fun. I mean, I'll get down in the fucking dirt with these goddamn people. (laughs) I don't care. It's like I'm not a journalist. I don't have to like pretend i'm on some bullshit like if they're gonna fucking come at me i'm not i'm not gonna take some clap back from a pr
1: firm right for like no right. way <laughs> yeah yeah uh that i'm just gonna throw this in there a little promotion for our twitter go check out zach taking on science 2.0
0: yeah bro i will i will go at these people uh much harder than they come at me They'll they'll throw some attacks my way but I'm not going to fucking, yeah, I'm not going to take
1: it. You're not going to use your real account. <laughs> no,
0: and I won't use my real account. That is my real account. I am Poison for Profit Podcast. All right, I guess that's where we'll leave it.
1: Yeah, I want, before we close up, I wanted to to end Cap, because this is the last episode on the Ghost Riders episode, correct?
0: On the U.S. Right to Know um, Merchants of Poison report,
1: Yes. I think what I, people would definitely like to hear after all this, I'm feeling like, where the hell do I go? You know, if, where do I actually find good reports? Where do I find, you know, how do I know? How do I know that this scientist isn't paid off by this? Uh, so I'm just gonna lead in question. D- you, yeah.
0: A- <laughs> yeah. I like the Q and a here. Um, <laughs> It can be difficult, right? But I think you got to look at kind of the circle that they're they surround themselves with. Mm-hmm. It can be pretty obvious based on what people are saying. and and if they are kind of funded by, especially these biotech groups, it'll be pretty obvious if you go to their Twitter feed or or anything where you can like see, The things they publish or the things they promote because most of what they really put out are attacks on on people who are concerned about chemicals Mm -hmm. um other than that i mean like i'm i think we're not like we'll we'll deny it again we're not anti-science we're skeptical of you know these kind of industries, because of the things that they've been shown to do, that have come out through, um, you know, these these um, FOIA investigations and and in um, this month these Monsanto trials. So I think like definitely our approach is just to basically be skeptical of anything that. That makes, first of all, a lot of money for certain companies, um, and that you know might be against your intuition of its complete safety, if that makes sense, right? But as far as like specific accounts, like U.S. Right to Know is a great organization for this kind of journalism, and you can you can always find like the people who are affiliated with them, uh, Carrie Gillum. I don't think she is any longer, but she she's written a couple books on roundup and Monsanto, um, she'd be probably a good place to start.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I just figured that would be a good way we could end off this series. Uh, you know, cause it made, it made me feel like, well, what the heck? Like, what am I ever going to trust now? Um, but I think, like you said, a good way to think about it is if you think about the money, who has the most to benefit from this, which I think will get you most of the way there most of the time.
0: Yeah, and there's a there's a really good book I started um, called. It's, it's not just about this, but it's about everything that's really wrong with with um, kind of science or industry friendly science. And it's called "The Tragedy of American Science" by Clifford Conner. Uh, it goes into you know front groups like this. It goes into uh, the Pharmaceutical industry, it goes into um, the military, especially, and, and how science kind of gets maybe not well. Yeah, I think skewed and also um, misused and misapplied to benefit these powerful institutions and and corporations, um, so that they can basically retain their ability to profit off of things that aren't so good for society. <laughs> Thank you for the question. I appreciate that because it can be hard to, like, really trust what people say online
1: or anywhere. Uh, I mean, anyone can post anything online nowadays. That's the craziest part. Yeah, they let me have Um. a Twitter account. (laughs) But, yeah, I just want to go ahead then and thank you, Zach, for this series. It's been very informative. I hope everyone else has found this as informative as I have in the the tactics of these companies that are looking to uh, let's see uh, I guess spread misinformation on their products and mislead their consumers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like go out and read the read the actual paper because there's stuff that I didn't get to. There's more stuff in there. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes, uh, but it's worth you know reading through yourself
1: absolutely we're gonna wrap this podcast up thank you all for listening as always show notes will have that paper and all of our socials if you want to watch zach go to war with (laughs) science 2.0 Bayer monsanto he'll he'll take it to anybody i Uh, will just want to thank you all for listening and anything else from you zach
0: uh we'll talk to you next time
1: talk to you next time